Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to the 382nd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Maddie Delk, Liam Devine, and Emilio Torres. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today it's another episode of your favorite thing that we do, complaining about the film industry. Uh, no, but really uh, talking about being overwhelmed with things that you are responsible for. Talking about work. I, I mean, I think it's... It's so funny because you always make fun of me for this, but I am just complaining when I don't have any work and complaining when I mm-hmm. have work. And I think the pendulum has swung in a very weird way. I was really bummed because there weren't nearly that as many jobs as I think we we're usually used to at the beginning of this year. And now we both just happen to have like crazy busy weeks and... I do feel very lucky. I know there's two unions in town that are on strike and a lot of people are on the picket lines uh, asking for a fair deal from the producers, the MPTP, the studios. Uh, Neither one of us is working with those studios right now, which is why... That is an important thing to call out for sure. Yeah, Yeah. which is why we can work. We feel super lucky that we have jobs and that we're filming and shooting and doing directing stuff. But I am just having one of those weeks where I just cannot catch up with anything I'm responsible for. And I feel like I'm constantly letting down people that are counting on me to do things. And I thought we would talk about it a little bit today. I know you also bit off a little bit more than you could chew and maybe we'll tell each other our our stories and then we will give each other advice. And the hope here is that you, dear listener, have also experienced this in your own life. You, Yeah, maybe we have a little bit to add to it. I'll say this. Um, most of the time when you pitch uh, a complaining episode... <laughs> I, you complain um, about it. I'm like, yeah, I complain about it. I've never said yes faster. <laughs> yeah, I just caught you on a good day, on a good bad day. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, yeah, I got some stuff to say. Um, but yes, just to echo your point about um, being really fortunate that that we are working, that is really important. And before we get into it, yeah, the strike stuff, for people who are listening a little bit later and not right when the episode drops, SAG just joined the strike a few days ago, basically. Um, and my office is, you know, I basically drive down Pass in Burbank, like along the perimeter of Warner Brothers, and... I always honk. I'm always engaged. My daughter loves it when we honk. Day one, you honk. It's like nonstop. Warner Brothers just put up signs that say like excessive honking is illegal. And like, you're just like, it makes you want to honk louder and everyone's into it. This last week prior to SAG joining, people were a little tired, noticeably more tired. You're losing steam. But bro, when you add, you know, God, how many, like 160,000, it is a different deal. Like the, the turnout is wild. 
And just as a tiny anecdote, because it makes me really emotional. We talked about our careers kind of both started the last time there was a strike. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something I really care about. And, um, you know, it's complicated stuff. Anyway, I uh, was working late and walked over to meet my wife at the smokehouse. Are you familiar with the smokehouse? Oh, yeah. I get all my cigarettes there. You get all your cigarettes there. Yeah. No, it's the steakhouse across the street from Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's like old school red leather low lights they have pictures of celebrities up on the wall who frequent the restaurant Mm -hmm. and i just sat at the bar and had a drink as i was waiting for my wife and i was literally surrounded by on both sides stunt performers just telling tales like dropping names talking about how they missed that person and like how this person set the world record for the the biggest free fall or whatever just like old timers talking about doing stunts but it, it just it just filled me with i don't know just like a sense of pride and happiness the reason we moved to los angeles and one of the main reasons that the city is great is because of the entertainment industry again it was like pretty emotional just to be like surrounded by people out of work working class people put their bodies on the line and we were just all talking about the same things um so anyway enough about the struggle of the collective action Oren, lay it on me. Why are you feeling overwhelmed? So I have this philosophy as a freelance director that anytime anyone asks you if you're available for a job, you say yes. You say yes. Yeah. The only time you can say no is if you have booked a job officially that shoots Mm -hmm. on the exact same dates and you're a hundred percent sure it's going to book on the, it's going to shoot on those dates. Mm -hmm. If someone says, Hey, we're thinking of hiring you for a job. Uh, August 2nd. And then someone else says like, Hey, are you available August 2nd? You say, yes, <laughs> I am available mm-hmm. August 2nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. because nine out of 10 times someone asks you about a job on a certain date, uh, either you will not get that job. Oh, by the way, I'm in a haunted hotel room right now and my phone keeps ringing one Spooky. ring and I pick it up. No one says anything. Then I unplug the power keeps ringing. I unplug the phone cable and it wow. is still Freaking ringing. Did you just hear it? That's that's pretty impolite for a Canadian ghost. Oh, yeah. No, you pick it up and they're just like, sorry. And then they, <laughs> I've noticed Canadians just say sorry all the time. Sure. So weird. Yeah. Um, so we know they're Canadian. Oh, yeah. So speaking of, I'm in, I'm in Toronto. Most jobs that anyone tells you about as a director, and you know, the longer you do this, the more you'll realize this, they, most of them go away. Either... Yeah. The, the job it. goes away. You don't get it. Like, like, trust me when someone's like, Hey, we'd love for you to direct this job. There's like a, at least a 50% chance that they're talking to other directors that they would also yeah. love to direct the job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, but they just aren't telling you that. Uh, but there's also just a really high chance the date will change. I never say no to a job unless I am a hundred percent booked on another job. So I happened to get into the situation where I, you know, pitched on this job shooting in Toronto. It's a a pretty big job. It's a six day shoot, five days in Toronto and a day in LA. Um, I pitched on it like a, in April or something and it just kept moving and getting postponed. And then I had this two and a half week vacation and um, it's now shooting like for five days, which means I need to be here prepping for a few days before that. So I have like 10 days in Toronto. uh, And this is just coming off of a two and a half week trip to Israel where I had, I think, like a week in L.A. And in the meantime, I also pitched on another job while I was in Israel that shoot that was supposed to shoot the same time. And luckily, they were willing to move it to the following week, August 2nd. So now I am effectively shooting this like kind of massive job. And when I say massive, I don't mean 
budget wise. I mean, the budget is fine, but massive time wise. Yeah, yeah. It's worth mentioning. Typically your bread and butter is in commercial film directing. This is a long form, still a commercial yeah. in so much as like the process was the same and all that, but it, it's a proper script. What's the, the runtime is what, like 30 minutes? Probably about minutes, an hour. And they, they're aiming for 30 minutes, but realistically, I think it's going to be about an hour. So it's like this really big project. So it's like for a brand, you know, and then mm-hmm. I'm doing at the same time. I so booked, all the trappings of a commercial. So all the all of the yeah. approvals, stakeholders, you know, it's not like it's you and a showrunner in a studio. It's there's a agency and producer, the agency yeah. and, and client as well. And if you know anything about that brand in particular, they are very like visual. Their aesthetics are on point, all about like taste and style and trends and what people are into. Nothing can look remotely bad. You know, everything has to be great, right? Like visually, aesthetically. I think the final runtime will be between 45 minutes and an hour, but it's a lot of different segments. And I'm having to shoot like a lot of scenes where I shoot like half of the scene on one day. And the other, like the reverse angle on the, of the scene oh. on another day, just because actor availability and matching it is no problem. But dialogue scenes, especially when you're hiring great comedic actors, uh, it's fun for them to riff and to improvise a little bit. And when things are so separate, it's really hard to have them react off of one another. Like there's a little bit of hedging you can do, but like for the most part, you know, yeah, but also like for put like we're also using like comedic actors and real people mixed together and we're and it's not like I'm doing that for one scene. I'm doing that for like nine different scenes. <laughs> Just keeping track of everything and everyone is very important that's in part of this, so that means their schedules are really hard to to juggle. Mm-hmm. So it it's just been this massive puzzle piece on these really long, you know, just tons of scripts and revisions and notes and it's something that like you could easily spend a month on and still feel like you have yeah. more things you could do. I could be storyboarding more. I could be. Well, and, and let me ask, because I was highlighting the nature of what makes it similar to a commercial. But I think what you're describing, because it's long form. It's basically um, like a like a short feature film. But there's no. With agency um, and client giving their opinions right, on every single right, decision right. you make. But there's also no script department, let's say, or, or, or anyone whose job is to track the changes. It's you and a writer, right? So like if it was a television show or if it was a, a feature, there'd be a person in charge of tracking those changes, issuing new pages, you know, you there, there's color coding systems and all of that stuff, but that's a lot of actual work, you know, like tangible work and software makes it manageable, but there's still somebody who typically is even if it's just a writer's assistant doing all that stuff. But I wouldn't be surprised if because it's a commercial and that's not part of a regular commercial workflow, because we're talking typically about a handful of scripts that it's easy, it's easy to, to, to keep track of. You just version up. Whereas like tracking changes on a, like on a line by line basis or scene by scene basis becomes just a different Yeah, it's tricky when you approach like a narrative project, like it's a commercial. I mean, it's who I think we're doing actually a pretty decent job. We're using Google Docs instead of like Final Draft. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But but there is like, you know, sometimes we'll get an idea and we'll be like, oh, what if like wouldn't a flower pot be like a better thing than a lamp here? And Mm -hmm. we'll write it in. But there's no one like in a regular production 
there's someone's job, like you said, to get that somehow to the art department, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, to disseminate. So you oh, show up on change. set. Yeah. And you have yeah. a flower pot instead yeah. of a lamp. Um, yeah, yeah. And here it's like kind of my job because I'm the only person yeah. from production that's rep- that's deep into the script, you know, um, right. Right. because because there's so many moving parts and so many scenes and so many things that it's there's no way the line producer or the production designer or anyone could track all these changes. So it, it's like it's a puzzle. It's totally working and I'm excited. And we're sure. like two days out from the shoot and I feel really good about everything. But it is has been like I was up till, you know, 10 p.m. last night with like. like five people on a zoom just rereading the script and giving all our final notes and things and all that is to say it would be totally fine no problem just a really really involved complex complicated job but at the same time i'm prepping for this other shoot right so tomorrow morning before Mm -hmm. i go do the walkthrough with the the client and the agency for this project i have to do three hours of casting for my other project that I booked. Mm-hmm. And then also the producer is like, when can you meet with the storyboard artist? We need it storyboards. Those are due on Monday, which by the way, I'm filming Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So it's not like mm-hmm. I can sit with a storyboard artist for two hours. They're saying we haven't hired a DP yet. Like, Hey, like we need you to like send us DP names. We need, we need to vet things. We need the client to approve people. Uh, the production designer wants to have like an hour long meeting with me. Uh, the agency wants me to t- have a meeting with the client to sell through the locations and they also want me to have a separate meeting with a client to convince them to hire the actors that I want to want to hire. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so on top of that, I have notes on the script, you sure. know? Yeah. Yeah. You but, want it to be good also on top of all that. Yeah. I mean, I think that we've said it before the, the problem with commercial jobs or kind of any job is that there's no understanding that you might have to, that you're doing multiple things for multiple people. According to your client and your production company, they're the only client in the world. Right. They're paying you to work for them today. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, look, it's different on a shoot day. It's different, Uh, but you still have your lunches if you need to pitch or, or, or well, that's literally what they're like. They're like, what time is your lunch going to be on Monday? And I was like, I, I have no idea where everything is in such flux. And like, if my lunch is, over and now we have the client and the agency and all these people just waiting for me and I'm not there that that looks bad yeah. also yeah but yeah but yeah so I so I have a piece of I have a piece of advice actually for that specific are you gonna say get the producers together yeah but the problem is is that the job you're currently on is your Canadian reps and your the other job is your US reps correct which two cool companies, by the way, I'll just, I'll just uh, plug them undivided in Cal- in Canada and art class in the U S awesome stuff. If it w- if they were both undivided or if they were both art class, they would, yes, they would manage then, that then within they'd themselves. They'd be able to manage it for you. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that's, I was going to say, get the producers involved and they, they might still be able to help, but like it's, it would be out of the kindness of their hearts or their investment in you and not anything else, which is like a lot harder than like it being the business of the company, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. The other thing is, and I, I did want to just tie this back a little bit to the strike of like why we can't just say, Hey, I have a job. I'm going to turn down everything else is because let's say you're a director and you got this awesome job and it's going to pay you $50,000, right? <laughs> Um, and you worked at, like you worked for months to get it and then you're working on it for months and then you're in post on it for months. Like, guess what? That is, 
like you're saying no to all these other jobs and you're saying no to these people that might stop calling you. And now all of a sudden it's the only job you had that year and $50,000 might be great, you know, in some parts of the country, um, in some parts of the world, but in LA, like that's like a poverty wage if you're raising a family, you know, um, for an, for an annual, you know, for the year. So we have to be like constantly taking these multiple jobs. And by the way, a lot of the jobs pay significantly less than that. Right. Yeah. 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 That's why it's hard to, to say no. And, and I understand the producers too. They're like, well, Orrin, we hired you for this job. You said you wanted to do it. And now you're telling me you have no time to storyboard. You have no time for casting. You have no time to take the client through locations. You have no time to like send us your shot list. Um, and so we talked before we started recording that the Jordan, what Jordan Brady would say, which is like, mm-hmm. just do the Muscle work through it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and stay I'm, up late, get it done. I'm yeah. trying to do that. The other, so I also have a VFX job right now for like a studio film and they sent me a bunch of notes today. I finished everything, but today mm-hmm. they sent me a bunch of notes <laughs> for new, new notes, uh, which is, you know, just like four or five hours worth of work, but I, you know, I don't sure, know when, when I'm going to do, do them. And then, yeah, yeah. On top of all of and this. And also it's a lot harder to stay up. Like if you're even pitching, it's kind of in a gray area, but shooting, I need my sleep, man. Oh yeah. You're going to be full energy on your feet, answering questions, needing hyper-focus for 12 hours a day for five, six days in a row. So like, and also, you know, you're probably going to have to schmooze a little bit and go out for dinner and all of that stuff. And so... Every moment of sleep counts. Yeah. And when you're in a different time zone, it's, I'm really bad. Like it's already right now, it's already past midnight. Um, and it's like you, you, you're working so hard to like get on a sleep schedule, but then when someone from California calls you and they're like, it's 9 PM, can't you just work on this for the next two hours? And you're like, okay, but that will be 3 AM, you know, for me when I'm done. Uh, and again, it just all sounds like excuses, right? Right. Right. And you feel, I feel so guilty all the time. And then to, to make mad, you know, my, I have a family. My wife has been, was kind of sick this past week. She's having trouble going to work because of being sick. But also we have these two young children and like, you're trying to FaceTime with them and people are texting you and I have a a writing project. I'm in the middle of, and also, you know, like even the podcast tonight, you know, we've been having trouble scheduling this. And so have you worked with people that like when they're on a job, they just like, totally stop responding to you like a hundred percent um yeah i mean you know i'm like that yeah <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah as a person who you uh, kind of tried yeah. to schedule a podcast uh on a weekly basis for the last seven years you know um yeah I, I, yeah i'm i'm like that and it's not frankly it's not a conscious decision it's just like you just don't look at your phone. I just don't look at my phone. It's just, I'm obsessed with like being in the moment. And it, it, frankly, it's not always good advice. I'm what I, cause I, you know, I know your schedule pretty well and I'll text you without realizing, Oh shoot, you're on set today. And I'm always astounded that you text me back. Well, a, it it could be just an unhealthy relationship with my phone, but I also like today, a friend of mine, like, an old colleague of mine like sent me a message. He's like, Hey, I just left you a recommendation on LinkedIn. Do you mind leaving me a recommendation on LinkedIn? <laughs> like I'm trying to get this whole LinkedIn mm-hmm. thing going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is like, there is nothing less important than this right now mm-hmm. in my Did life. You do it? 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, it'd be funny if I would write this, this, and then I like started coming up with like funny ideas for the recommendation. And I wrote it because it brought me like joy and it was like a stress relief thing. And I actually like talking to my friends and stuff sometimes, you know, like a friend will call me when I just happen to be in between like two things and I'll pick it up because like, like I like that social aspect uh, that I can't do, you know, while, while I'm working. And, and uh, so the job that I'm on currently, we do really long takes, you know, it's like, all right, um, like 20 minute takes, 20 minute takes for sure. Like, and so, and we're not relighting things in the same way or, you know, moving cameras in the same way. Like it's a pretty locked off sort of situation. And so there's, you know, you have to be really active, but the rhythms of directing of not only just like writing, prepping, shooting, editing, which is its own cycle that I love and miss because I'm kind of doing all of those things all the time, all at once. But just like on a daily basis, yes, you're shooting for 12 hours, but like you show up, you answer a few questions, you grab yourself a breakfast burrito, you've got 15 minutes in the director's chair while just everyone else is working that you can think, you can reread your script, you can text your friends, and then you're in it and you're shooting. But then, you know, eventually you're going to say new deal or like we're moving to a new location or whatever. And there are those just little moments of breath that make it feasible to, for instance, text your friend back or answer the phone or whatever that like I have really been craving. I really miss it just because it keeps you sane, you know, like you need that time. And like our breaks are still longer. Like the the turnover is like a minimum of like 45 minutes. So I, I still have that, but it's nice if it was just little bite sizes where you're just kind of like shooting a couple shots, relighting, shooting a couple shots, relighting just that rhythm. I've, I've missed very, very much. Yeah. No being, I mean, that I think is why we like directing, right. Is that fun of like, Hey, we got this cool shot. Now let's see what the next cool shot's going to be. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That instant gratification is different. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, yeah. When you're working on like multiple projects, too like you what you were just saying made me think of how you have to like shoot write plan produce post all Mm -hmm. at the same time it's like for me i have like a meeting in the morning where i have to pitch the new direction Mm -hmm. for like my scripted project and then i have to go into like doing selects looking watching two hours of selects and then getting on the phone and talking about character briefs and then i need to get on a call for storyboarding and then but they're each one is for a different project and i happen to Mm -hmm. be Three of my projects, two of them are produced by Julie's and my writing partner is also named Julie. So those three Julie's and my other two projects. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The agency producers are named Nadia on both of the, the projects I have. The one here in Toronto and the one I have in LA coming back. And so you get an email and you don't even know like what project it's about. The last thing is that today of all the days art class and new company I signed with decided to do their big blitz of like promos that I signed with them. And so they're sending me messages like, Hey, what do you think of this article? And what do you think of this picture? And I, of course I'm not responding to them because I'm like in all these meetings and they, they just put them out. They're like, Hey, we put you out. Like you're in these articles, these publications, this thing. Like it's my responsibility to like repost and do all these things and do the self-promotion. It is to a certain extent, but like the, the reason that a PR blitz exists is because a PR person is, has more connections and a greater reach than you do. Right. So like ad age or little black book online or whatever, that's getting out there. Like, yes, do you, people in the industry follow you and is it good for them to see what you're doing? Yeah, of course it's uh, don't, don't throw that opportunity away, but at least rest assured that like that PR connection to other outlets is, is a greater reach than your personal one. But don't you think like you did that campaign with Reda, let's say it gets some ad age talks about it or a few different places put a sure. thing about it. I think we did get an ad age blurb actually. Yeah. So don't you think the day that ad age blurb comes out, it's probably good for you to post like an Instagram story about something you're doing or to respond sure. to it. Yeah. Or if someone on LinkedIn yeah. is like, congrats, Matt, you should be like, Hey, for sure. Let's meet up for coffee. Like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're given yeah, yeah. all these nuggets of opportunity. It's a, it's a little window for sure. Yeah, and yeah. if you're just totally ignore it, you know, ghost that whole situation, which I'm sure some directors do, but just missed opportunities. It is missed opportunity. I think also you could post next week. The people who are going to message you are still going to message you, you know? Well, good luck. I mean, I think unfortunately the answer is just like grin and bear it to a certain extent. Do you think there is some like transparency that's, that is helpful? Like to say like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, do, do you think it's valuable saying like, I'm sorry if I'm like not being responsive or I'm not pulling my weight on this thing? Or do you just kind of, I, you know, um, trying to talk your way through it. <laughs> I think that I've given this a lot of thought because I've been in scenarios where I've been transparent and been like, Hey, like, uh, I'm under a lot of stress for this reason or that, or like, you know, we really, this project is really big, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, explaining in a, in a human and natural way, why things, uh, aren't going as well as I've wanted 
And um, I think honestly, it mostly just hurts you. Do you know what I mean? Because like, there's always a lot of uh, stuff to be proud of and to focus on. And like, that's not to say that you should lie. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like putting on a strong front and leaning into the things that are going well inspires confidence in people and, and also doesn't draw attention to the things that need improvement. So if you're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm late all the time. I've been really stressed out or I'm running uh, around in circles just kind of reminds them then that you're late and that you've been running around in circles. And then worst case scenario you know, so their boss is like, oh, hey, how, how's Oren doing? Or or the co-workers like, hey, how, how's Oren doing? And they're like, you know, he's been running, he's like running around a lot. I think he maybe could use some help or whatever. Like, it, it, I don't think that's ever really a good. Yeah. They're, they're never, there's never a good result from that conversation, typically, because no one's ever like, oh, you know, what? let's hire him an assistant or like, hey, let's add another day to the schedule. That's not how our business works, unfortunately. You just look a little bad to them. So look, that might be unhealthy advice that hearing it, I can only imagine what a therapist would say. Um, And maybe that plan takes years off our lives, but I honestly wouldn't trust the therapist on filmmaker and (laughs) advice. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you just kind of like, like you've got it, you've got it. You know what to do. You're right. And, um, and when you're wrong, you know, pivot, change. Like, it's not toxic positivity is not what I'm trying to espouse. But like, they're looking to you to have it under control. There's some advice I've told myself in the past, which was, if I'm really feeling like I just not on top of all the details, I will try to delegate in some way. And I like walk to the producer and my producer, you know, on my team and I'll say, hey, listen, I have like so many things that I have to keep track of in my brain. I'm, I'm not going to be able to keep track of like who is putting what outfit on in which scene. And I know we have our stylist that has that, but I I'd love for you to, to delegate it to you to go talk to the stylist and make sure that they're ready for this, because I know this is like an important thing and, and trying to just like tell people like, even on this project I'm on now, yesterday I had this like big pronouncement before our script meeting which was like hey listen this is incredibly ambitious and like things could go wrong and so knowing that like let's like i'm gonna bring up some ideas of things we can mitigate but like i just want it to be in your in your mind to be like a little bit on defense as opposed to like let's see what more awesome things we can add um you know and I, i think that is helpful at the end of the day like I think you're still ultimately judged on the final product and not on your attitude. I don't know that that's true, actually. I think that like like walking out high, like feeling like, oh, we got it. This is going to be really good, regardless of how it ends up. Like having a fun, positive attitude and an easy breezy set, even when things are hard, puts a good taste in everyone's mouths. And so when the client goes home to Chicago or wherever and someone, their boss is like, Hey, how'd it go? And they're like, Hey, look at my selfie. And it was really great. And Orin did such a good job. Um, that primes them to like the, the product because I, I don't know that necessarily there's a ton of objective truth in filmmaking of like what's good and what's bad. There were things that we're aiming for and there are things that, uh, 
we hit the mark on and missed the mark on um, relative to like the shared vision of what the goals were. But even that, as we've talked about many times, is not always a shared vision. Um, and so you don't really have a ton of control over that. I think, though, going back a little bit earlier to what you were saying before of like calling out like, hey, not everything's going to go right. And so let's be on the defensive is a very different attitude and take than I don't have things under control. Like your awareness that this is an ambitious situation and that you should have contingency plans is ownership, is power, is understanding the circumstances. It would be much worse if you were like overwhelmed and then caught by surprise. That's when it's bad. That's when you look bad. Do you know what I mean? When you're like frazzled and unable to deal with things and someone's like, oh boy, Warren's really dropping the ball over there. That's the problem. You know, that's when people lose confidence in you. That's what I'm trying to get at. Again, not, it's not about toxic positivity. It's about, <laughs> um, right. Cause we've all seen those, those creatives that are like, everything's going to be so awesome. And you're like, well, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. And then when it's not, everyone's like, what went wrong? And I'm like, well, that we just said everything was going to be great, but we didn't like put the plans in to make sure, you know, we had backup plans. And yeah, it'll all work out is, is, is as bad as the sky is falling in certain circumstances. There's a world where you can be like, guys, I've done this a million fucking times and your plan's bad. So let's fix it. You could be that person or you could be like, hey, speaking from experience, X, Y, and Z, let's work together to figure it out. The results are the same. So I take it back. The results are better when you are kind, but firm, but speaking from a place of authority. And if you haven't delegated, let's say, or you haven't um, put on a strong front, then when you do need to raise these flags, it feels like uh, you've just been crying wolf this whole time, you know, and it's just like, oh, but there's orange spinning out again. You know, I'll keep my, my side of the overwhelmed story brief yeah and i'm sorry i thought you had kind of like talked about it a little bit but i guess it wasn't like your official overwhelm story, yeah, yeah, so no no i, sorry, I, I, I pepper in it's a co-hosting thing but I, I would say your point about delegation i think is right on whenever i'm like ah there's not i'm not getting enough things done um reaching out to your team is part of that for sure and i have like lots of people like not lots and lots of people but like an ample number of people to help out with things. And so checking yourself on that front is always a thing, but then communication. The flip side of having a team of people that you're working with is making sure that everything is clearly communicated and like that's a job unto itself. And there were so many moving parts with the projects that I'm on right now that it's been really easy to forget that one person isn't on Slack or that, you know, this other stakeholder prefers email or whatever. And like, I find myself just like missing one of the six people because there, there's not a clean single way to tell everyone everything. All at once. I know I, I bit my tongue. It has been crazy making. Just while you were talking, it made me think like of a tip. And I, I think beginning beginner filmmakers like have a really hard time with delegation because everything is so tightly mm -hmm. organized in their brain mm -hmm. that when someone's like, well, here, I'll help you. Tell me what you need. It's work you're like, to I, explain. Yeah. 
I could never tell you. Like it's, I'm the only person that knows like what, yeah. how these scenes work together, how these outfits work together, how the props work. How the, so it's like good to get into the habit and you know, you are working on a big team. So you're in this habit, but even like Slack versus like a Google doc, like it's good to good to get in the habit of just like starting to make. We are across like, Slack, Google docs, Google calendars, Asana, which is like a task management system and text basically all of those things. But if you are like, Hey, here's like a list of, of props, you know, Mm -hmm. and instead of just like keeping it in your brain or writing it on your script, if you put it in a Google Google doc, Doc. you know, at some point you can be like, Hey, I haven't figured out like all the props we need for this scene. But like, if you read the scene, here's like my list of like Mm -hmm. most of them, see if you can find any to add. Like if you're starting to kind of make things, images of references that you like or locations that are interesting or actors that you think can be right. Like, like the, the more you kind of put that out in like in digital yeah. documents, yeah. um, the more when it comes time to you realizing like, Oh crap, I'm not going to be able to like make this entire cast Venn diagram. Um, and, but you can send it to the AD and you're like four fifths of the way there. It's like, I think filmmakers get good at mm-hmm. like knowing what they need to tell their DP, their production designer, their wardrobe stylist early on. And then it's easier to, to delegate, delegate instead of panic when you see, realize you don't have enough time to do it all yourself. I will say the one, not the one thing, but one of the big things that I learned workflow wise in commercials is the power of the deck, not just as a pitch deck, but then as a working living document that is the repository for all information. Scripts are in there, schedules in there, the bios, the list of people, your cast, all of your art references, camera stuff. That can just be one big thing. And you can clone it out if you need to like, you know, just send someone an art deck. That's easy enough to do. But keeping it as one deck that is not versioned up a ton, that is just this is the deck because that ultimately all that stuff ends up needing to be in the pre-pro deck any or pre-pro book anyway. So having it in one place and being able to be like telling all of your crew, this is where that is. And then them seeing the big picture, see like if the DP sees what swatches are coming in from wardrobe or whatever, that informs their understanding a little bit as well. And like, you're always just pointing at one link that everyone has. Yeah. And I just want to point out, like, we're, you know, talking about commercials a little bit here, but it, like, if you're doing your indie feature, like making a list of like, we even were talking to Noah Bayshore, you know, our editor last week about how he's got all these things he's got to do on his own now. But, you know, if you have a list of sounds that you feel like you're missing, you know, maybe it's something Mm -hmm. you could send off to someone, you know, Um, but when you're like, hey, watch this movie and figure out what sounds need to go in there. It's a little bit of a bigger task. So I think uh, the lesson for me, which I'm not doing a good job learning is like, is trying to figure out how to like, like think of delegation early on in the process, not when it's like too late late. when you're panicking, when you're panicking. Right. Because then you don't have time to explain yourself to anyone anyway. Well, cool. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on how you deal when you're overwhelmed. I know that everyone listening has had, sometime when they're overwhelmed, whether it's between their day job and their passion project or just a directing gig where they arrive to shoot day and they just have no idea how they're going to get through it or what they're going to do. Like, what are some of the things that, that you do that you tell yourself? Like one other kind of thing I do is I just tell myself, 
we're all human and no matter what director they would have hired, they would have been dealing with the same issue. So as long as I do my best, like, like that's probably the best that, that could be done. You know, like, it's not like I'm a failure. It's I'm just in a tough situation. It does make me think of, um, I've been thinking a lot about mistakes because I've made a couple and I just a couple, just a couple. Look, the, the types of mistakes that I'm used to making are, are creative ones where I'm like, ah, I wish that I'd done that differently, but that's not a, it's not an error. That's like a, a, a regret taste wise or aesthetic wise or whatever. Like, Oh, I thought that was going to cut better or the joke would be funnier if I'd done it that way or whatever. Today I made like, just like a, like I just didn't loop someone in, just made a mistake. We've got a lot going on. So, you know, a few team members have similarly made mistakes in, in recent memory. The bear kind of encapsulates my attitude about mistakes, generally speaking, when a team member makes one. I'm like three episodes in a season two. But mild spoilers ahead. If you want to be totally pristine, I appreciate you. Fast forward a couple minutes. A character is uh, basically tutoring. He's... he's um. I can't remember the term for it, but basically apprenticing at a, at a fancy, fancy restaurant in Chicago that I assume is basically supposed to be Alinea, which is like the gastroentomological restaurant where like you eat a cloud for dessert. There's a chef's table on it. It's like, you know, the kind of the magic tricks of, of high end cuisine is what Alinea is famous for. Anyway, um, they're having their round table and uh, they're just talking about everyone is you know they're all in their their chef whites and they're all standing around and they're talking about the menu and they're like okay i'm gonna bring this up one last time the smudge and the character who's apprenticing is like what are they talking about and they're like the, the character says uh i don't have a problem with you making mistakes i'm not a child but i want you to own up to it we lost 45 seconds on the smudge who made the smudge um and it's just a funny quick little scene that is about perfectionism or whatever. Someone's much to play. And how I feel, like, I don't mind if you make a mistake at all. Call it out. Fix it. We can fix it together. Or, or, or keep it from happening ever again. But. So, uh, not to step on my unpaid endorsement, but boy, the bear season two, man. Well, let's... Speaking of unpaid endorsements. Unpaid endorsements. So, to step on it, uh, bear season two, like most great television shows... It really found its groove. You love the characters. They're doing what they're doing. It's really, truly great. So I know that there's a lot to watch out there, but um, that's awesome. And then also, everyone, I haven't watched it yet, but you know what I'm going to do right after this? Love Island is back on television on Peacock. I cannot wait. So highbrow and lowbrow, you know? Anyway, uh, Kathleen, what you got? I got three things real quick. Number one, kill fees. Ooh. Ask for him. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, did you, you do a whole episode? Oh, on yeah, Wait, got, did you get one recently? I, I just got one. Full rate? It was no, because I'd gotten the job pretty quick, and I'd only worked on it for like three days before it got canceled, and we never shot anything. What percentage of my of my rate do you think I should have gotten? Seventy percent. Seventy percent. I I I mean, oftentimes I'll get a full full fee for my kill fee um what did i got 25 percent of oh, my fee that's less than yeah yeah i guess so they wanted to postpone it till after the strike or whatever and i was like who knows if that's gonna happen can i get a kill fee and they gave me 25 percent. yeah I, I don't even know if anyone else on my crew got a kill fee yeah. or not yeah but 
Yeah, I don't know. So I think some people don't realize that a kill fee is even a thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm bringing it up. I think it is is a privileged situation. I think um, crew members, if you're canceling 24 hours. No, if you're canceling, yeah. 24, 48, depending on circumstances, that's different. You know, directors, we're we're long-term workers, though. It's It's a different deal. We're not day players. You know, but if you're a producer, writer, even like a cinematographer, production designer has already sketched out mm-hmm. schematics and things for sets. Like if you're one of those people and you've done a good amount of work and then a job goes away after you've been told, like very specifically that you have the job. You know, the also the difference is, is that we are paid our day rate, even though that's kind of implied that there's prep time, but it's not. Like a production designer, I'd be like, I've got you for a week of prep. Your prep time time starts now. So like if you cancel. You still pay them for the prep. You, you're still paying them for the prep. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of the difference and why kill fees are uh, more of a thing for people like us. Anyway, great endorsement. Get them if you can, for sure. Next reco, eye masks. You ever use these things when you're trying to sleep yeah, and it's bright out? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah use them it makes such a huge difference and if i don't have an eye mask i mean everyone knows this right but light is it's very hard to sleep in light it's just bad for your brain to try to sleep when it's light out so if you don't have an eye mask put a pillow on your face do it all the time (laughs) third one is another stupid one but like it's something that i've been doing a lot lately and i don't know if people know you can do this maybe maybe everyone knows but you know if you buy a new ipad or an iphone in like the last two years you get this charger 20 watt charger but it has the USB-C port on it. I use it for my MacBook. Oh. Instead of using the giant MacBook charger. How big is the... Eight. How many volts is the big MacBook charger? The big one is 85 watts. watts. I think this is like 20 or 30 watts, the small brick. But it's enough to keep your... It's not going to fast charge your computer, but it's, but running. it's yeah. enough to keep it running. Yeah. So like right now. So I love it. I've just been, I have my big one, but I never use it. I just yeah, use this tiny nice. one and you can plug it in like on the airplane and so, you mm-hmm. know, places where you don't want to have this, those giant chargers, just use the one that came with your iPad or your iPhone and a USB-C cable. You can keep your MacBook alive. Oh, by the way, we can, sorry. Can I say one last thing? Our producer, Tyler is going to uh, work with me on this LA job. Oh, awesome. Uh, which is cool. Tyler Small. So, hey, you know, sometimes it helps to just ask someone if uh, they need you. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> great, man. Well, have fun, guys. If you have any questions for us, uh, you can always tweet at us or th- I guess not threads at us yet or whatever that is. Uh, DM us on Instagram. You can reach out to us at Just Shoot It Pod across all social media. If you have a longer question, you can email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. And you can find me at Mr. Madden Lowe across all social media except for threads, but especially Letterboxd. And I'm at O Kaplan on threads and Instagram. Same thing. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Our producer is Tyler Small. And you're listening to music from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. We will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.